0: This is The Syllabus, and I'm Mark Oppenheimer, the Director of Open Learning at American Jewish University. Syllabus listeners, last week you heard an episode featuring a high school social studies teacher who is in favor of the new ethnic studies model curriculum in California. They are phasing in a required ethnic studies class next year for high school students. You have to have ethnic studies to graduate. And there's a lot of controversy in California and indeed all over the country where people take note of such things. About this requirement. Is ethnic studies inherently politicized? Is it always ideological? How can students learn about African American studies, Asian American studies, Jewish American studies, and all the other ways that you can slice and dice the American experience in a way that is not heavy handed, that gives them room to think, that gives them room to draw their own conclusions, that foregrounds facts and research and scholarship rather than the grown ups' ideological agendas? That's a really tough question. And we heard one point of view last week. As promised, we're back with another point of view. This week, I talked to Brandy Shuvatinsky. Brandy is Black and Jewish, and she's the Director of Education and Community Engagement at the Jewish Institute for Liberal Values. And she has some real problems with the way ethnic studies is being done in California. Now, she grew up in California. She lives in Philadelphia now. But you know what? Once a Californian, always a Californian. So she she has a stake in this. She has a sense of the history. She herself studied history in college. And as a writer and activist, she has been looking carefully at the way that Californians are going to be teaching their high schoolers ethnic studies. And if you listen to this podcast carefully, it will pretty quickly become clear that she is very concerned about the way that students are going to be learning these subjects. It's not that she's against studying the minority experience, far from it. It's that she has real problems with the way that it's happening in California and the way that she's afraid it's going to happen once the requirement kicks into effect next year. If you have any comments on this episode, and I'm sure some of you will, please write to me. I'm at mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu. And before we dive into the interview, I wanna thank you for listening to the syllabus. It's a real pleasure to investigate these questions of campus politics week in and week out. I think that so many college administrators and faculty, but also parents sending their children to college, students at college, And frankly, Americans are looking at what's going on on campuses with a real sense of wonder and awe and concern. And I hope that this podcast helps people think a little more clearly about these issues. So now, from two weeks ago, my conversation with Brandy Shufatinsky. Brandy Shufatinsky, thank you for joining the
1: syllabus. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. First off, who are you? My name is Brandy Shupatinsky. I'm mom, wife, educator, social worker. I'm originally from Southern California, born and raised, but I live in the Philadelphia area now.
0: But you've been paying a lot of attention to the model ethnic studies curriculum that's come out of California in the past couple years. Is that right? Yes, I have. And maybe from your point of view, you could explain to us what this curriculum is and how it responds to the law passed by the legislature requiring some sort of offering initially optional, but then I think being required within a year.
1: Yes. So initially when I heard that that the high school curriculum in California was going to include ethnic studies, I was actually really excited. I'm a history nerd. I, I majored in history in undergrad and enjoy, when I was in high school, was able to take a couple of different history electives, including Black American history, which was fantastic. So, I thought it was going to actually expand upon what already um, is required as far as social studies and history and the like in high school. I unfortunately realized very quickly that didn't seem to be the case. Instead of diversifying the history curriculum, what started to come out was a lot of just ideology. So, the framework, the pedagogy, the buzzwords, the things that were put into the at least the initial drafts of the ethnic studies model curriculum and Some of them, unfortunately, are still left over in the final draft. Really, are uh, very low on actual history and knowledge, and they're really high in ideology. And I find that problematic in, in a public school setting.
0: Can you give me an example of something from the model curriculum? And my understanding is that school districts don't have to follow the model curriculum. They can come up with their own curricula that align with the requirement for ethnic studies at the high school level, but presumably a lot of school districts will follow or draw heavily from this model ethnic studies curriculum. So can you give us an example of stuff from the model curriculum put out by the state board of ed that you find problematic?
1: Sure, one of the things that is problematic is that it frames, it mandates the inclusion of an ideology called the four eyes of oppression. Now, those eyes of oppression already accept without debate or without discussion the fact that everything race-related can be boiled down to the idea of oppression, an oppressor versus oppressed, which actually eliminates the ability to do what is necessary in history, which is ask questions, be curious, debate, discover, with a sort of a scholarly rigor that you would normally see in the field of history. Instead, many things like the four eyes of oppression are just presented as fact, So it presents ideas like all disparity in outcome is a result of some form of oppression, which eliminates any type of individual agency. It eliminates individuality as a whole and blames everything on these ideas that that are put out on oppression.
0: The woman I talked to in the last episode, who is a high school social studies teacher and really appreciates the curriculum, likes it, is excited to teach from it, is excited by the new requirement. She said, look, this isn't a history curriculum. It's an ethnic studies curriculum using the pedagogy of ethnic studies as developed at the college level. I actually am not sure that there is one coherent ethnic studies pedagogy, but what's your understanding of what it means to teach something from an ethnic studies perspective, as opposed to the history perspective you're talking about?
1: That we're going to get a little bit of what we're seeing and what parents, educators, and and students are concerned with. We're going to get a lot of ideology. So at the higher education level, in colleges and universities, ethnic studies pedagogy actually doesn't align with K-12 education code at the college level, you're allowed to bring in a certain level of biases. Well, K-12 ed code says a teacher can't. You're supposed to actually present a more well-rounded, open material, open curriculum, which does not align with ethnic studies pedagogy. And what you just said is also key. There isn't necessarily one ethnic studies pedagogy. There are no standards for this class. So how it's taught in many colleges and universities, not everyone, but many, it's taught through a very radical framework. Using a radical pedagogy, which does put out th- things as fact that are really just opinion or ideology, like oppressor versus oppressed, like systemic oppression and racism, the ideas that they have to critique capitalism and capitalism is the same thing as another form of white supremacy. Those ideas are not aligned with K 12 Ed code in California. And if that's the pedagogy and the framework that's going to be used in high school curriculum, I'm sure a lot more parents would be concerned about it. And the other part of it is that. While ethnic studies activists say that it's not a history class, it's its own separate thing, I highly doubt that's what was sold to the California voter. So when you ask most people what they think ethnic studies is, they think that their kids are going to be learning more about the experiences, obstacles, trials, tribulations, and contributions of the multiple different types of people and communities that make up the United States. That's not necessarily what the activists are putting into the classroom.
0: Does the curriculum actually say that capitalism is another form of oppression? Is that in there?
1: That's part of the four eyes of oppression, to critique capitalism, cis-heteropatriarchy, the nuclear family, religion, belief in God. Those are all things that are that the framework, critical ethnic studies framework, is rooted in.
0: Okay, but look, this is one model studies curriculum, but in theory, any class that deals with ethnicity and studies could fulfill the requirement which is being phased in over the next year that you need a i think semester long class in ethnic studies to graduate when i asked my last guest what about a class in the jewish american novel would that pass muster she seemed unsure but my reading of the law is it might in other words this could go very well this could be a case of school district looking at this requirement as an opportunity to teach really interesting rigorous content filled specific Classes rather than broad ideological manifestos. Um, couldn't it go well? Am I wrong about that?
1: No. Yes, it could, and it has. And I'm see. This is I'm not against the teaching of ethnic studies. I think that what what I hope will come out of ethnic studies is something that many district administrators and educators are taking it in in their um, hands to do exactly what you're saying to teach really rigorous, interesting classes that weren't necessarily um, something that that they'd offered to students before. The problem is, right now in California, there are multiple activist groups that are trying to do the exact opposite. In fact, they're actively pursuing legislation and policies that would prevent exactly what you're saying, because that wouldn't qualify. That wouldn't be what they call real or authentic ethnic studies. Tell me Mm -hmm. about this.
0: Who's doing this and what are they doing?
1: So there's a coalition of about roughly 33 activist organizations, they formed what they call the Coalition for Liberated Ethnic Studies. They're providing teacher training, curriculum development, certifications in concert with other state universities, certain UCs, certain Cal states. They're working with these groups to provide teacher certifications in ethnic studies. They're putting out curriculum that is highly ideological, It's very low and shallow on actual knowledge. It's really just pushing ideology, like I mentioned previously. And they're going district by district. In fact, they've successfully signed contracts with multiple school districts throughout California to get their version of liberated ethnic studies into districts, and that's what's being taught in classrooms. And they've used other methods to do this. In fact, the Oakland, California Teachers Union just held a one-day teach-in, is what they called it, to teach highly ideologically driven, biased, anti-Semitic material to their students.
0: The Syllabus is a production of American Jewish University with InsideHigherEd.com. If you like this episode, forward it to one person who you think would also enjoy it. Help us get the word out. And if you have ideas for guests or thoughts or comments, write to me at mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu. Who is funding the coalition that is trying to certify teachers for ethnic studies and get contracts to use their curricula with school districts?
1: That's the million dollar question. And I hope that if somebody finds out that they may get publicly known, I suspect, because many of these activists are associated and affiliated with universities, that they're using their positions of power and privilege in those academic institutions to actually do a lot of this work. And we see it with the certain departments and certain universities, for example, the University of California, Santa Cruz, has a critical race and ethnic studies department that is advertised and held the liberated ethnic studies model curriculum. They've held trainings. They offer certificates for ethnic studies. And it's all rooted, again, in this highly ideological, biased, anti-Semitic rhetoric.
0: One of the things I talked about last time was the question of what the point of these classes is. And one of the perspectives that was being offered by my guests was, The point is to show kids that they belong in history, people who feel they've been left out of history now see their own representation. That gives them a sense of agency, and that can be very empowering and liberating and make them more engaged with their education. I will confess that as a college teacher myself, I never saw uplift as part of my job. I figured that giving students knowledge and skills was the uplift in itself, right? And that the subject matter didn't have to carry a sense of racial or ethnic uplift. But I was also interested to hear, her say that it could work very powerfully that way in the classroom. What do you think of the idea that choosing content with a goal toward uplift can be very effective?
1: I think that's the point of electives. I think that the point of electives is to give students the opportunity to gravitate towards things that they're more interested in doing. And if that were the case, when ethnic studies was offered as an elective, as it was in many schools, and it has been for years, the classes would have been full with waiting lists. They weren't. Instead of realizing that students weren't electing to take these courses, activists lobbied to make it a requirement, so students had to take it. And the other part is that one, of, one piece of history and literature is to be able to see yourself in someone else who doesn't look like you, to realize that even with differences, which we have them and we should celebrate them, but even with differences, we also have commonality. So the idea that the only stories I could relate to have to come from people who look exactly like me, speak exactly like me and come from my exact circumstance is ludicrous. That's not the point of education.
0: And what about the Jewish question? You do a lot of work in the Jewish community. And initially, I know there was concern that the Jewish perspective was twisted in an ideological way. Was that your conclusion as well?
1: It's not that it was twisted. It's that it gets erased. I'm a Black woman. I'm a Jewish woman. The stories and the history and narrative of the Jewish people just gets either ethno-convenienced or completely erased and left out. And that's what was happening. So there was this argument over which communities to include. Now, originally, ethnic studies coming out of the 60s included Black, Latino, Asian, and Native Americans. The demographics have changed since the 60s in California, especially. So you had a lot of other groups of of people, ethnic groups of people that felt like they should be included because they make up a significant amount of the student demographic from Armenians to Jews to Arabs to South Koreans. like You had a ton of people that were like, wait, why aren't we included? To Hindus. So, the petition argued their point to be also included in, in some of these lessons. I think what happens with Jewish Americans is the idea of Jews as a people gets erased and ignored from people who want to pretend that Jews are just a religious group.
0: And there was also, in my reading of it, an attempt to impose racial categories that might work in other contexts on Jews, as if Jews were as divided by race and in the same ways as other communities, which is not, I think, the most um, sophisticated way to look at the Jewish community. I agree. Yeah. So where do things stand now with both the model studies curriculum and with the requirement for ethnic studies that's going to be phased in?
1: The requirement as of now still stands. I'm not quite sure how it's funded. I think where it stands is people are seeing a whole lot of reasons to maybe take a second look at this requirement as a whole because it was sort of rushed through as a way to respond to ideas about systemic racism instead of considering unintended consequences and maybe some intentional consequences of what was coming out of Sacramento. So how it stands now is there are, again, activist groups that are really pushing hard to get their activism into schools to pretend that their version of ethnic studies is what's gonna lead to improved student learning. And there are those of us who want to actually have an ethnic studies class or requirement that makes sense for students that isn't biased, that isn't anti-Semitic, and that actually centers the reality on the ground versus trying to relive revolutionary period of the 1960s.
0: And for people who want to learn more about this, are there good resources for them to go read?
1: There are a bunch of them, and there are a bunch of different groups that are actually working on, on trying to get something that's real and that's good for students and will have positive outcomes. One is the Alliance for Constructive Ethnic Studies. Another one is the organization I work for, the Jewish Institute for Liberal Values. And we're all part of a a new coalition, the Coalition for Empowered Education, which is really looking at putting students first above ideology and activism.
0: Brandi Shupatinsky, thank you so much for joining me. The Syllabus is a production of InsideHigherEd.com and American Jewish University. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate us and share the work. We welcome email... We welcome voicemail. We welcome replies of all kinds. Please write to me at mark.oppenheimer at aju.edu. Our team includes editor Jacob Kaufman and producer Alyssa Silva, also Sherry Hirely, Tessa Grasso, and Amelia Hamill. At Inside Higher Ed, our thanks to Doug Letterman. A happy holidays, whatever holidays you celebrate, and join us next time in 2024 on The Syllabus.